For those who know every line, and for those finding Star Wars for the very first time, welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. Welcome back to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And we are back on Ryloth. Back on Ryloth. With Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 12, Rescue on Ryloth, and Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 13, Infested. Technically, back on Ord Mantel and Infested, but we don't talk about Infested. Well, well all right. We will talk about Infested, but moving forward, we don't talk about Infested. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We start off on Ryloth. We are in the prison in the beautiful spire cities of Ryloth as Rampart and Hauser are staring down the Syndulla Syndicate saying, The Liberator, now the traitor. Where is your daughter? Make it easy on yourself. And Eleni says... I've seen how you treat your allies. I prefer to be your enemy. And then everyone storms off and Hauser looks very sad all the time. Okay, back up. The Freedom Fighters slash the Sindola family slash Gobi Glee, mm-hmm. who's an honorary Sindola family member, have been framed for trying to assassinate Senator Ornfrey Ta. Who can blame him? I mean, hashtag relatable. <laughs> Tragically, he is recovering nicely. Yes. But Hera and Chopper are missing because Eleni yeeted them off into the wilderness of Ryloth before they could get picked up. So Hauser is tasked with arresting all Syndulla sympathizers. And then Hauser's like, well, hey, I saw that that was a sketchy situation. And Rampart's like, you saw nothing. Now go kill some people, arrest them. Ignore what you saw. Rampart sends a different squad after Hera. So Chopper and Hera are sneaking along and watching the Syndulla family household as Crosshair and the Elite Squad roll out of it. And Chopper and Hera need to get on the phone and call the Bad Batch. They are calling the Bad Batch for reinforcements. Omega gave her their number for emergencies. And listen, this is an emergency. And Tech is like, look, kids sometimes overstate things. And Hunter says, we can't put ourselves on the line every time someone's in trouble. And Omega says, why not? Isn't that what soldiers do? And Hunter's like, oh, my God, literally, we're going to have to talk about that because I wept, Sam. I wept. So we get to the sneaky, super secret Syndulla Syndicate hideout. And Chopper and Hera are there. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And Hera says, hey, I will pay you. My parents are arrested. I need you to go rescue them. And there's just like no plan to do this. And Hera's like, wait, my father's Cham Syndulla. Tech is like, oh, hey, shoot. I know who that is. That's kind of a big deal. So let's go try to free them. They do some recon from a cliffside overlooking the city. But unfortunately, a probe droid comes along to spy on them. Hunter very sexily takes it out. He somehow climbs on top of like the cliff instantly and then just like airdrops on top of this thing. It is fantastic, but it's too late. Crosshair realizes that they're there. And because the element of surprise is gone, Hunter's ready to throw in the towel and tells Hera as such. Hera is obviously unhappy with this news. And Omega runs over and says, you need to come up with a plan And then we can convince them to join us. They just don't see a way forward. Omega uses her big brain Dejaric strategy IQ. It kicks in. She's like, Hera, don't you know Ryloth better than anyone? And Hera's like, well, I have been spending all of my free afternoons spying on the Imperial refinery from a cliffside. Meanwhile, Hauser is talking with the Sindula parents in prison saying, I'm doing everything I can. I'm trying to help you. But Cham says, you've already broken my trust. And Hauser walks off, sadly, again. So Hera comes up with a plan. And the plan is, she has all the plans, right, of this Dunium refinery from last episode. And so she's projecting them. And she says, there's auto turrets. Chopper's going to sneak in hack the auto turrets, use them to blow each other up. Meanwhile, we're going to cause a big ruckus at the refinery and you guys go rescue my parents. 
And Hunter's like, hey, I love this plan. It'll work great. Let's let's make it happen. This action sequence, Sam, holy shiz buckets. So we start off with Chopper doing Chopper things, which is my absolute favorite. So Chopper is a very janky little astromech droid, and he's got a little rocket butt, and he uses it to just very rapidly jump like past turnstiles. He's like jumping over around gates and stuff. He gets in. He finds an astromech who's just like working and he just bodies this astromech, shocks him <laughs> and starts like plugging in. He's like, wait, I can't hack the turrets. He's on the radio. He's chattering wildly to Hera and Omega who are on lookout duty and he can't get the turrets off. So Omega says, oh, don't worry. We'll take care of this. Let's go steal those and points at the shuttles. So Hera and Omega sneak down. And as they're hijacking a shuttle to blow up these turrets, Tech's like, hey, so we're coming in real fast. Uh, what's the ETA on those turrets being done? And Omega's like, uh, we're fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Chopper's fine. She lifts off, starts wrecking stuff. Hera gets her first ship-to-ground kills. And right then, a very amazing action sequence as Tech flies in. The fanciest flying of his life, might I add. <laughs> he hits the e-brake and the Marauder is like doing donuts as Wrecker is in the back turret just holding down the trigger. They make a huge mess. Everyone is quite simply at their best. This <laughs> is the best. Tech even is at his best because he's like, yeah, you guys are doing great. No one can figure out where you're going so they can't shoot you down. Oh my God, don't worry. Your wild machinations are confusing everybody and not just us. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hunter and Tech sneak into the prison where the Sunduls are being held and they burst in and get everyone out. The Sindulas are like, how are you getting paid? And Gobi's like, hey, I know those guys. Uh, they're they're mercenaries, but I didn't pay them. And they're like, yeah, Hera's paying us. And they're like, oh man, our daughter with our checkbook. But they, <laughs> they are heading right out. And we see that Crosshair is sitting there and he's like, hey, I know that there's a massive distraction going on at the refinery and I recognize it's a distraction. My guys are going to stay here and we're locking down that prison. Crosshair knows the Bad Batch, mm -hmm. knows that the refinery isn't their target. Yep. And so as these two forces, Crosshair and the Bad Batch, are about to meet, in walks Hauser. And Hauser says, that's a trap out there. I understand what's going on. You need to get free. Go a different direction. I'll go out there and talk to them. They're my squad. And they're like, you have to come with us. If you're going to betray the Empire, they're going to kill you. And he's like, I have to talk to my squad. So he steps out and all the stormtroopers in the lead squad and Crosshair is way back with his sniper rifle. They're all watching. And Hauser gives this rousing speech about how he swore to defend the people of Ryloth. And now he's rounding them up. And a bunch of the troopers. Defect. They defect. And Crosshair says, arrest those traitors. Everyone's arrested. But right as that's happening, a ship flies off. It is the Bad Batch and the Freedom Fighters zipping out with Ornfrita's private shuttle, which I just think is delicious retribution. And they make good their escape. Importantly, when they're all splitting ways... The Sindulas are like, here's your suitcase full of credits. And Hunter says, you need it more than we do. Mm -hmm. And then Omega and Hera are very sad to see each other go, but they'll stay in touch. Yeah. Cham and Eleni have to take Hera so they can begin organizing the fight to free Ryloth again. Meanwhile, in the burning wreckage of the Dunium refinery, Rampart is extremely grouchy and embarrassed. And he's like... Crosshair, your friends are real pieces of work. And Crosshair says, request permission to hunt them down. And Rampart says, granted, and storms <laughs> off. Oh my God, it's so good. Okay, you know what's less good is the second episode that we're talking about this week, Infested. What happens in Infested? Okay, so there is a small, a small time jump. And we pick back up on the Bad Batch after they finish another mission for Sid. But when they come back to Ord Mantell, everything has changed. Sid is gone and her job and her bar and her office have been taken over by 
Roland. Which is a very stupid space name. Which is the least compelling name ever <laughs> for, honestly, a pretty compelling character. Yeah. Roland is the son of a crime boss with a much cooler name, Issa Durand. And he has thrown his lot in with the Pike Syndicate to start making a name for himself. Clone Wars fans know when you mess with the Pikes, the Pikes mess you up back. I want to paint a quick picture of Roland Durand. So the uh, space lizard armadillo, Ruby, is apparently the creature that Sid had the Bad Batch acquire a few episodes ago. That is Roland Durand's little pet. And so he sits there like a Bond villain with a fluorescent lizard armadillo on his lap. <laughs> he is a Deveronian, so named because they look like devils. He's got like pale green skin and horns. And cheekbones that could slice cheddar off the block. And he also very much puts off the vibes of someone who is very young. Yes, we will get back to that later, but that is a very good, thank you for painting a portrait of our arch nemesis antagonist of this episode. When the Bad Batch walks out of the bar because they have to decide what to do, Sid accosts them in the alleyway and basically strong arms them into helping her take her bar back. And blackmails them. I honestly love that every recent episode of the Bad Batch so far has been them getting emotionally blackmailed into taking care of a problem that is definitely not their problem. Mm -hmm. That is the main thrust of this episode. So the big plan is that they are going to steal some crates of spice from Roland's office. Formerly Sid's office. Formerly Rip, Sid's office. Well, Sid's still alive. <laughs> Rip to the office. <laughs> so that Roland won't be able to pay his Pike clients when they come and show up for it. And then he'll be in a lot of trouble. So the Bad Batch and Sid travel underneath Ord Mantell using some underground tunnels. Very Lucas-esque mining cart scene. Deeply. And hand carts because they're trying to be quiet because there is a small probo with this plan, which is that the caverns underneath Ord Mantell are super infested with creepy crawlies. And they don't want to wake them up. So Record drops a flashlight. He's like, I'm sorry, it was an accident. And we hear ominous rustling. Just, just ominous, ominous from down, <laughs> down in this hole full of bug goo. It's very gross. Everything actually goes okay. They do make it up into Sid's office. They do steal the spice. They do not have enough time to get away before Roland and his goons come after them in the motorized cart that they were trying to avoid using to avoid waking up the creepy crawlies. And then Roland's goons get shot off the tracks. They fall into the caverns underneath Ord Mantell, waking up, you guessed it, the entire hive of creepy crawlies. The Bad Batch barely manages to escape and in their escape, all of these six large crates of spice, each one's like the size of a locker falls somewhere into the hive and then the pikes come for roland they are so fed up with him already roland pulls guns on them and they're just like you're making like you aren't even making a mistake your family is making a mistake through your existence oh my god you are laboring under the impression that we are gonna give you yeah half of a chance <laughs> Like dummies, Sid and the Bad Batch come back to the bar and get in the middle of this standoff. Roland obviously turns them in, and now they have to leave Omega with the Pikes and Roland while they try to recover the spice from the infested caverns under Ord Mantell. And mm -hmm. let me tell you, we have about six minutes left in the episode for them to wrap this up. <laughs> so they go back to the creepy bug cavern, Sid and Wrecker rappel down. They find the spice crates. They actually do better than I expected. They get four of the crates hauled up to the Bad Batch. They're riding up with the fifth and the sixth. And then they do wake up the entire hive again. Yep. And Tech does indeed have to blast their eyeballs out with a light grenade. <laughs> like an Incubus album. <laughs> These freaking bugs just wanted to take a nap and got woken up three times in one day. 
Like, they do have my sympathy. Well, they did get some snacks. They got to eat a bunch of goons. Yeah, but cranky vibes only. Okay. The Bad Batch wraps all of this up. They get the crates. They dispose of the creepy crawlies. They turn in the spice to the pikes. And then the pikes do take one of Roland's horns as retribution. But they would have taken Roland's life, except that Omega argues for Roland's life. And also Sid argues for Roland's life because Sid says, hey, that's Issa Duran's son. Like, punish him, but don't kill him. That'll start something really bad that none of us need because this is a very sketchy smuggling spot. And the less violence, the better. You guys know how it works. So they take the horn, they take the spice, and then everybody just goes their separate ways. Yeah, and everyone's presumably pretty grouchy, although the Pikes are like, everything worked out fine. Like, (laughs) the Pikes are fine with this. It is the most anticlimactic episode after an extremely climactic episode. So, can we start with Ryloth, though? Well, we better. We ended on a cliffhanger there, so here we are. Okay, I know I said Reunion was the best episode of The Bad Batch so far. And then I know I said it again about Devil's Deal. Uh Uh-huh. I am saying it again about Rescue on Ryloth. I think the Ryloth arc in Bad Batch is really kind of peak Bad Batch for two reasons. One of them is that it is... All the action, it's the cool political intrigue, it's the Bad Batch doing a lot of fun Bad Batch action scenes of like blowing stuff up and coming up with plans and executing them and sneaking around. And also, it is glue that holds together the rest of the Star Wars franchises Mm. because we've got Hera and Chopper, later of Rebels, although Rebels came out before this, right? Mm. So we're pulling them back. We've got Cham, we've got Gobi, we've got all this stuff from the Clone Wars, and we've got the Empire and how the clones are becoming the Empire. It's all pulling very together. Ooh. And one additional super important note of pulling these franchises together is when Hera phones in to the Bad Batch, she bends over her astromech droid and says, help me, you're my only hope. And that's the only hologram they get. And that, and help me, Omega, you're my only hope. And that is exactly the original Star Wars message that Leia gives to Obi-Wan Kenobi 20 years down the line. Yes, we have not gotten there yet. That has not happened yet. But I know enough of Star Wars to recognize the ghost of Star Wars past and future. Yes. So that is very beautiful. Can I also say I literally cried three times before we hit the action sequence. (laughs) Like crying three times in 13 minutes has got to be a record. So this is going way up on the cryometer. Okay. And then like I, I then cried again when Harris taking out the console in the refinery, like the music swells. It's a variation on the force theme. It's so beautiful. It's a variation on the rebels theme. That's what that was. Hera has her own theme that plays in this episode and the previous one in the Rebels soundtrack. And we are hearing elements of that throughout. Okay. And then also when Omega and Hera have to say goodbye. And when Cham and Eleni like are protecting their daughter and also their planet again. This episode has everything. It's also got a little Easter egg in that scene because we're we're kind of all over the place here. But at the end, when they're separating, Hera says, Tech showed me how to scramble my transmission, which is something that the Bad Batch has been doing. And that's going to be critical in the future. Mm. Okay, so we have laughs. We have cries. We have danger. We have strategy. We have Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. We have victory. We have betrayal. And we have poor Hauser pulling so much emotional weight through this episode. Because in the previous one, there's so many scenes. Well, actually, it's just in this one where Hauser and Crosshair are just staring each other down awkwardly. Hauser is getting tasked with, you know, go round up these normal law abiding citizens because of their political proclivities. 
And he's in an office with Rampart and Crosshair. And he's looking at Crosshair and Crosshair is looking at him. And there is such animus between them because I think Hauser is recognizing that either something in his Order 66 didn't take or perhaps because he's so much closer to the people of Ryloth that it's just a little weakened. Mm. And Crosshair is having to say something different. And there's so much face acting going on, mm-hmm. which is remarkable for an animated show, especially because the two characters who are doing it ostensibly have the same face. You know, <laughs> there's they're staring at each other and the emotions that Hauser is broadcasting are so good. Yeah, that's the parallel that I drew too when I was writing up my notes about this episode. I was like, did Hauser actually get Order 66? Mm-hmm. Did all of his clone troopers maybe not get order 66 like why is he being so chill because i was just thinking even before crosshair's inhibitor chip got super mega turbocharged on camino he was not this chill so this brings up a bunch of interesting things hauser is the first clone who we have seen in a post order 66 world who is like normal like first one that we've seen his face of right Yeah, first one that we've seen the face of, first one that we've spent any significant time with, first one that we really know the name of. And he definitely behaves differently. So I wonder if there's like a a delay or a decay in Order 66 where once it's been sent out, it starts to wear off after a while and you no longer are like... Because if you're in full-on war mode like Wrecker was... When his Order 66 went off, that's very scary. You don't want those soldiers to, like, you can't order them around or anything. That's true. And and it's interesting how easy it was for Hauser to get all of his troopers to defect. It really took one speech. Yeah, it wasn't all of them, though. And so part of that, I think, was related to something that Hauser said almost in passing, which is, we swore to defend this planet. And so something I talked about last episode was what is Hauser's connection to Ryloth? And I wonder if Hauser and Hauser's clones had a special relationship with Cham and the Sindula Freedom Fighters of like they did some sort of, you know, Ryloth Twi'lek bonding ceremony or something. (laughs) So that their chain of command is a little blurred. Here's why I think that feels really accurate because it's so evident throughout all of the Ryloth episodes that Cham and Hauser have some kind of history, but it becomes very clear when Hauser frees the freedom fighters that Cham has won over his heart and his mind. Yeah, He, to Hauser, is the rightful, not ruler of Ryloth, but the rightful leader of Ryloth. And that the way Hauser's like the empire is going over and lording over Ryloth is not what Hauser fought for or his men. Honestly, this is just more fodder for our why is Hauser so hot and thirsted over discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Because like I figured out more reasons why he's hot and thirst worthy. Like he, first of all, I realized this episode, because we spend more time with his helmet off, he has a very 2021 hairstyle. Yeah. The shaved sides and the pompadour. Yeah. Like, that caters to my modern sensibilities. It is very 2021. That was a short-lived stylistic trend. Yeah. It was not the most foresighted hairstyle, because now we are not doing that anymore, and it's literally one month into 2023 (laughs) it is great but also hauser he's sensitive he's compassionate he's principled Mm -hmm. he's he's got discretion another interesting theory because we see him with his uh shaved sides of his head is he has a few scars on his head he does and i wonder if maybe he took a few separatist rounds to the old brain box that rattled his inhibitor chip loose and if that's the case maybe that's like reasonably widespread amongst the clones some of them are just like yeah like i got an order and it made me feel weird and then i got better 
And uh, also that hearing loss that I suffered <laughs> in the battle, the fourth battle of Geonosis got better. So something's going on up here. Now I can't tell the weather three months out, you know, like. <laughs> Man, I wish they could have done that with Crosshair. He's got a nasty scar on the side of his head. Yes. Well, Crosshair. Crosshair didn't order the traitors killed. He said arrest them. He arrested Hauser instead of killed him. That is interesting. I didn't pick up on that. And also at the end of this episode, Crosshair requests... And this is like the third time around that he requests to be sent after the Bad Batch to chase them down. He is very serious about that. Rampart keeps turning him down and Crosshair finally gets what he wants, which is to chase the Bad Batch down personally. And I wonder what Rampart thinks about that because Rampart continually references how Crosshair is formerly part of Clone Force 99. And the last order that Rampart gives him is actually complicated because he says how useful that clone force 99 is it'd be so much cooler if they were on our side he calls them your friends yeah and imagine how crosshair feels about all of that if crosshair is still capable of feeling emotion i mean i would feel kind of like yo listen i have been running your elite guard mm-hmm. i have the best aim in the galaxy except for maybe cad Vane. and like all you want is my four loser friends that i've been trying to track down for, for you. real i mean geez yeah and crosshair is always on like boring guard duty too you know crosshair's job is honestly trash I wonder, because when a hunter just like magically appears and then Goomba stomps a probe droid into the ground, (laughs) I wonder if Hunter's like, man, I kind of wish I was sneaking around and like causing a ruckus. My friends are having so much fun without me. (laughs) Is everybody having fun without me? Because he has to deal with those loser elite squad guards where he like had to kill one of them to keep them in line. So he's not having as much fun, I don't think. Honestly, Chopper's the only one having fun. And I love that for him. Chopper never doesn't have fun. Even so, <laughs> it's such a it's such a wonderful scene. So Omega and Hera steal one of the shuttles and they start a massive ruckus. They shoot everything up. As soon as they do, all the clone troopers are like, ah, there's something going on. And Chopper gets free. He's surrounded by two clone troopers. And he just tases one and tases the other. He's like, what? and jumps into the front door of Hera's shuttle. And it's such a heroic moment of him just rocketing up and then they fly away just wildly and out of control. That scene brought so much emotion to me the first time I saw it because this is the the first time we get to see Hera doing Hera things. Which is flying madly in and causing all sorts of ruckus and then Chopper escaping with her. They're such a great pair. They are a highlight of this episode. Also, that burnout that Tech does with Wrecker in the back and Wrecker's just like screaming, bouncing around in the back as this thing leaves like break treads in the air. Oh, I love it. Another incredible highlight. Oh my God, I just love this episode so much. Are you in the market for scrifters, decks, tables? Are you in the market for a good time. Are you looking for something, anything to pass away those hours on those long trips between the stars? Come on down to Scribbo's Dejaric Tables. We'll get you something installed that'll help you pass the time with and without cheat buttons to make sure that your investment is well paid for. We also have Sabak decks, clean and dirty. Anything you need, anything you buy, you want them honest, you want them clean, you want them dirty, you want them dishonest, Come on down to Skibbo's tables, games, table games, decks, get decked out. (laughs) And if you would like to see your ad play right here in the mid-roll of our episode, shoot us an email at growingupskywalker at gmail.com and we will read your ad with as much delightful verbiage as we have just displayed. (laughs) (laughs) Verbiage cost extra.
So beyond the flying and the fun, what else is to love about Rescue on Ryloth? Oh my God, there's literally so much. Like the Sindolas though? Yeah, yeah. They are a little quieter this time than in the previous episode. Oh, but they do so much with the dialogue that they have. Like a Lenny freaking Sindola, my friends. I've seen how you treat your allies, Admiral Rampart. I prefer to be your enemy. That is a sick burn to anyone. That is the most cold, and I mean cold with all of the pop culture references (laughs) attached, line of Star Wars yet. Amazing. (laughs) Like, Cham and Eleni, I am going to put my stake in the ground. I think they're the best parents in Star Wars. Better than Sue and Cut? Better than Sue and Cut LaQuain because they have vision. Better than Padman and Anakin? That is not even a question. They did not do any parenting in their entire godforsaken lives. Better than Nalase and Jenga? Oh my god. Definitely better than Aura Singh. <laughs> <laughs> Aura Singh and Hondos. Oh my god. Aura Singh's kind of, sort of, on again, off again, living boyfriend Honda. No, they are flakes. <laughs> they are flakes, and Cham and Eleni are legends. They are legends. I love how when they're introduced, Tech is like, oh, or when Hera says, my my dad's Cham Sindula, and Tech's like, oh boy, we gotta take this job. <laughs> I just love. Oh, when Cham is saying goodbye to the Bad Batch at the end of Rescue on Ryloth, and he says something like, I hoped this would be my last war, uh. but now I see that Ryloth needs me more than ever. We need to organize. Just and like, when I was getting out, they pulled me back in. Oh, my God. <laughs> we need to organize is yeah. like the second coldest line of Star Wars. Well, that's uh, that's Joe Hill. Uh, don't mourn, organize. Yeah, absolutely. I just, wow, they are so clear-sighted and they're so determined. And Admiral Rampart was never going to get anything from them. Not even close. He felt so smarmy and he wanted to. And like, he obviously could tell he wasn't getting much mileage, which might be why he left Hauser there. But yeah. They protect, they <laughs> attack I'm sure they have snacks. And they do now. If they were able to get rescued for free, and Gobi's like, "Wow, those guys are a bargain. We should keep them on. <laughs> I'm going to keep them on speed dial." <laughs> Just like Hera. Oh my god! I literally, when Hera calls in for the Bad Batch to rescue mm-hmm. her folks, and Hunter's like, "You gave her our number." It's just, oh my God, it's like in the 90s when your parents (laughs) looked at the phone bill and were like, you spent how many minutes talking to her? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some really funny family vibes. And that is why the Bad Batch doesn't join up with Champs and Duel's Freedom Fighters. But this is the, gosh, fourth or fifth time we've now gotten people together like the bad batch is pulling people and sending them on their way wherever they're going Mm. to join some sort of anti-empire movement Ooh, i had not realized that that's what they were doing well we got rex we got the martez sisters we got avi singh and gs8 and now we got sindula and uh are all running off to do stuff. And the Bad Batch was instrumental in all of them being uh, escaping from the Empire. Oh my God. I have been racking my brains this whole season trying to figure out what the thread is, what the themes are, what the thrusts of the plot are. I literally did not realize that every side quest episode we get with the Bad Batch is them arming and yeeting insurgents yeah oh my god yeah what they are real charlie wilson's they're making it happen wait that's so cool Ugh, i love that i love that that's very very cool um can we talk about the dialogue quickly there's great dialogue in this episode we certainly won't do it justice because the voice acting is also excellent in this episode also phenomenal The dialogue was just the sharpest, most pinpointed dialogue we've heard on the show so far. I think 
there's a craft to this episode, this one particularly, that is super good. It is extremely well-paced, extremely tightly written, and it brings together the whole Ryloth arc because this amount of content in the Clone Wars era would be four episodes, and they crammed it into two, and it is not too fast. They did it beautifully. I did a little bit of digging Jennifer Corbett is one of the producers, and she wrote this episode. Mm-hmm. And there was some magic in the writer's room that day because the dialogue is fantastic. There's that moment when Hunter's turning Hera down to rescue her folks. Oof. And he says, all the money in the world isn't worth the risk. And she says, not to you. And then Omega turns around and says... She's trying to save her family, Hunter. I would do the same thing for you. Yeah. Listen, when I tell you that line railroaded me. Especially because out of all the people with full wallets in the Bad Batch, it's literally just Omega. (laughs) (laughs) She'd be like, I am small and have noodle arms. My friends have been kidnapped. I will go. I will pay you to rescue them. There's another line that's really important in that conversation, which is Hera says, why do you trust them? And Omega says, they're my brothers. Mm. And Hera says, you're so lucky. And I think that's interesting because we know that we saw Chamsundula and Eleni with a different Twi'lek baby. I wonder if Hera has a deceased sibling from the war or if she has missing siblings or something. It would be very sad. Oh, my God. So I made that connection. And just, yeah, there is so much dialogue that is carried between Hera and Omega that seems unimportant when you say it out loud. But it carries so much of the humanity of this episode. Oh, just when they're hugging each other goodbye and Hera says, thank you for believing in me. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, I'm tearing up as I'm thinking about it. Help. Oh, no. The other bit of dialogue that we have to talk about, and then I promise we can get to Infested, is kind of about soldiering. Mm. It's when Omega gets the holocron from Hera and says, we have to go after them. We have to help. And Hunter says, it's a big galaxy, kid. We can't put ourselves on the line for every time someone's in trouble. Mm -hmm. And Omega says, why not? Isn't that what soldiers do? Yeah. Stop. So that is interesting because that's also been a really important part of the Bad Batch arc. We can go back to when they're hanging out with Cut Laquane, who says, you can't be a soldier. You have to be something completely different. Then later on, Rex is like, hey, come be soldiers with me. And Echo's like, yeah, I've worked for Rex. Rex is a great boss. Let's let's be soldiers again. And Hunter says, no, we've got our own path to take. And so Hunter is still figuring out this path, but his instincts tell him to be a soldier. And that is the right thing to do. It turns out to be the right thing to do. And so him recognizing that his skills turn him into a soldier and he should be one is really important in Mm. this arc. And I feel like maybe he's like, yeah, you know, Wrecker hasn't smashed anything big in a while. I worry (laughs) he's losing his touch. He's got all that pent up frustration. Yeah. Well, but they've also been raising Omega to be one of them, to be a soldier. Yep. I just, I don't know why that snippet of dialogue made me weep, but I just have the crocodile tears coming down my face i i think i just want to believe what omega believes yeah that there are people out there who are that noble and that just and that there is a system of justice and protection that protects people well yeah this is unfortunately fiction it it comes and goes there are people who try really really hard and When you search them out, when you are looking for good messages, you can find them. They are there. Yeah. Before we move on to Infested, I need to put one quick bookmark in. Yes. Which is right at the beginning of this episode, Omega is working on Gonky, and Gonky is a defective droid (laughs) because he doesn't hold a full charge. That will be resolved. That wasn't just delightful dialogue about how they're all defective together. I'm, I'm putting a bookmark in it. Oh my God, this episode is masterful. 
So let's move on to Infested. So Infested has a lot going on that ties it once again to the rest of the franchise. We've seen a lot with the Pikes in seasons six and seven of the Clone Wars, but we also see a lot of them in Mando and Book of Bob Feet. Which I don't know about yet, but one day perhaps I will. Well, you don't know anything about Rebels yet either. I'm saying that it's important and it's important. <laughs> so the Pikes being incredibly scary is Fantastic. I love a good gangster movie. And we got gangsters in this one. Oh my God. When they said, you misunderstand, this is not a negotiation. The Pikes are real scary and it's very fun. So when Sid and the Bad Batch show up after, you know, pulling their heist, they go back to Sid's bar. It is full of all of Roland's goons dead on the floor. And- it's pretty chilling because Sid is just really excited. She's like, look, they did all of our spring cleaning for us. <laughs> Gosh, it's pretty scary. And the other thing that the Pikes are doing, which is really interesting. So circling back to the Martez sisters arc in season seven, I have no idea how much spice is worth. It seems like it's worth an absolutely redonkulous amount. I was shocked. My jaw dropped when we open up on... Roland, formerly Sid's office, and there's six crates of spice in there. Yeah, the Martez sisters were going to make it big off of like three crates. They had like a Camptono. Yeah, and so here is six big crates, and Roland is just insinuating himself, and I find that really interesting as well because he's trying to be a minor crime boss. His mom is a medium crime boss, but he gets in with the Pikes, and he's like, hey, let's do a you know, intramural Spice League thing. I find Roland really interesting. I think he had a lot of nuance as a character. Yeah, he's got the very silly villain thing of like having a pet. And that is actually his downfall. So when the Bad Batch goes and is going to steal his spice, they're like, hey, Sid, how do you know that Roland won't be in his office? And she's like, don't worry, I, I'll take care of it. The two regulars at the <laughs> bar who we get names for doesn't matter walk past Ruby and are dropping Mantel mix. They lure her out into the alleyway and then they just like clank a birdcage down on her. And this is also funny because we're calling back to all of the previous episodes of Bad Batch. That is how we first are introduced to Ruby. They have to clamp down a box on her in the back of the ship. Oh my God. The Mantel mix being delicious is a callback to like three other episodes. And then these two dudes have been in every single episode that takes place in Sid's bar. And sure enough, they actually get voice lines and they get names and they get a job to do and they almost get tortured to death. They are carrying the Ord Mantel plots <laughs> on their scrawny backs. Just these two <laughs> bar regulars who... Just bar flies. Yeah, what a... Do they do crimes? Apparently not effectively. They do a very bad job kidnapping Ruby. But do they do crimes? Here's the fun thing. At the end of the episode, Sid, or at the beginning of the episode and at the end. So Sid says, here's what the situation is. Roland came in to take over my piece of the action because it turns out I run a major smuggling ring. And then she takes it back over by basically saying, hey, Pikes, you need to intervene on this. This is my piece of turf. And like we can operate freely here, but we need to keep it cool. And Sid is able to move a lot of credits. Like she's able to keep the Bad Batch on speed dial and they have an expensive ship and a lot of explosives they go through. So she's running a medium crime syndicate out of this thing. I bet those two dudes are like, they do all right. She herself is a medium crime lord. Yeah. So I actually got the sense that Roland's mom, Issa, is a medium large crime lord. Yeah. And here's why. I was actually, I was washing dishes this morning and I was thinking about Roland. Okay. Also his voice actor. His voice actor is amazing. <laughs> and I just, I think his mom is a pretty big deal. And I think he was two things. I think he was lazy and sheltered. 
Yes. It sounds like Issa Durant is a pretty big-time crime lord. So he has probably seen her do business his whole life, right? Mm -hmm. So he was like, okay, time for me to leave the family home, make a name for myself. He's probably seen his mom march into someone's business and take over. And he saw Sid and was like, look, this place is perfect. It's already a flourishing mercenary business. I'll just take over. In fact, when the Bad Bats show up, he's like, hey, why don't you guys work for me? And they're like, we'll think about it and storm out. He's ready to just fill her shoes. It's like a ready-made crime syndicate franchise opportunity. But so here's the lazy sheltered bit. His mistake is that he didn't do anything about Sid. He let her live. He, But he kicked her out. Yeah. With all of her loyal clients ready to just rise up around her and and carry her back into her business. Well, he is probably like, this is a great location. It's being run by a shady, short, stubby type trend ocean as opposed to the rangy, scary type trend oceans. Plus two dudes, a Weequay and an Athorian. Like, I don't. These guys are trash. Get out of here. I'm, I'm going to sit down and take it over. And he didn't realize that Sid was actually very clever and sneaky. In fact, he calls that out. He's like, I didn't realize she was so old or sneaky. <laughs> yeah. So he's just, you know, he's naive and, and kind of lazy. He's not evil per se. He's he's. He's just a trust fund baby. He absolutely is. And that comes most clear to me in the moment where Omega and him are sitting there chained up and they're bonding and they're becoming friends because Ruby is friends with Omega. She's given her the little scritches. Yeah. And he says, well, you know, this is the way of things. It's very unfair that the Pikes came in and and took over my base of operations. (laughs) My base of operations. And Omega's like, "Um, excuse you, you took over Sid's base of operations. And he immediately, immediately takes that turn of, oh, well, I was born on third base. I was, I, the strong overtake the weak. It is my right to take over Sid's business. And I find that so intriguing Mm -hmm. that he can just turn on a dime like that. And that is also, um, there's a, there's an experiment that uh, some psychologist did and they took a bunch of people and they gave like 10% of them a hundred bucks and they all talking back and forth. And the people who just randomly got a hundred bucks are like, Oh yeah, I totally deserve this. I earned this hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm not going to split it with you. I earned it. And uh, that is, that is very true of what happened with Roland. He's like, my mom gave me a bunch of goons to goon around with. And then I earned everything else in life with a small loan of 50 Goons and a starship. Yeah, totally. Because we have seen Rafa Martez try to scrape her way up the minor crime lord ladder by her not manicured fingernails, mm-hmm. right? And then Roland walks in and he's like, Yes, I have six crates of spice to trade with the pikes. Everything is great. And I I love that Roland exists as a character because I think he's such a pedestrian form of like you're bad for no reason and he actually serves as a great foil to sid because sid is basically the same level of crime lord as roland but she's way way on the down low she's super sneaky she's super conniving she makes it all happen she's willing to do the work herself so she is willing to repel, like she comes up with a plan to rescue the spice. She says, uh, Muscles and I are going to repel down there. I got the kid into this mess. I'm going to get her out of it. I do love that. That is character growth. Yeah. It's very good. It Infested was not a bad episode. It just wasn't great. It Coming on the, so this is something we talked about this morning a little bit. I'm okay when we originally set out for this project i wanted to do everything in arcs and that worked very well for the clone wars it's a little bit more difficult in bad batch because the arcs are uneven yes and also everything kind of blends together but it is okay i think to split them up along these cliffhanger lines i'm having a lot of fun with it but it does give us these kind of negative comparisons. Last mm-hmm. episode with Common, Common Ground, Ground versus Devil's Deal. And this one with Rescue on Ryloth versus Oof. Infested. 
And the scale of bad battery that they have to get up to is very different. You know, Wrecker still gets to shoot things and blow things up in both of these episodes, but it's not, the stakes don't seem nearly as high, despite the fact that the Pikes come in. They're very scary bad guys. The tension is all verbal. It's all implied. Whereas Rescue on Ryloth, the tension is right there in your face. Yeah, maybe what I was looking for was some kind of thread that connected this episode to the big themes of the series, which, you know, family, reinventing yourself. The biggest thread along there comes in two places. And one of them is right after the Bad Batch marches out of now Roland's office. Omega's like, what are we going to do about Sid? And Hunter's like, look, we don't owe her money anymore. And this is definitely not a Bad Batch situation. So we're going to find a different planet. Honestly, fair. Because like Infested kind of begs the question, why is the Bad Batch continuing to do jobs for Sid? And the episode starts off with Echo, who unfortunately never gets a nickname from Sid, which is a crime. But Pallid. (laughs) Plague survivor. Yeah, for real. Scrawny. But but he says, Sid neglected to tell us that the drop zone would be infested with gundarks, which we know is a serious deal. Horrifying. So at the beginning of the episode, they're already not happy with their relationship with Sid. They're ready to let it go. But Omega says, when we went looking for help, Sid was there. Mm. Sid was our friend. She is our friend. And then she happens to be right there. It feels like the relationship between the Bad Batch and Sid really grows in this episode because they experience a shared problem. Mm, a shared hardship. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I was just thinking the Bad Batch could go anywhere and do most anything. And Hunter has now had most of a season to figure out what the plan is. Mm -hmm. And it still feels a little bit like the plan is literally just to do jobs for Sid, which it it's kind of like when you're like, yeah, I'm going to take a gap year before college. And then you never go to college. And you're 43. Yeah, which is fine if you never wanted to go to college. But like if you did want to go to college and then you just never did. That's different. It's different to fall into the rest of your life versus move into the rest of your life with intention. Hmm. So it very much feels to me like the story of clones in the expanded Filoni-verse, starting with the Clone Wars and then moving (laughs) on to the Bad Batch, it really starts off with rookies and with Domino Squad. Totally, and Clone when, 99. Yeah, when they're about to fail their high school graduation, and then they spend seven years in the College of War, and now they're taking a gap year in the Bad Batch, and eventually they'll figure out what's going on. <laughs> they just need like a summer job scooping ice cream. They need to take <laughs> a freaking break. It's a different show. <laughs> watch that show. These are Stranger Things Bad Batch matchup. Oh my god, I would watch Bad Batch meet Scoop Troop so hard. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what this is. We've got kids who are working super hard and there's monsters. Yeah. So that's what Infested is, you know? This is a Stranger Things crossover. Yep. And you just didn't figure it out. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, it's time for bad watch let's do bad watch it's time for bad watch all right my bad watch for this arc is omega omega uh in rescue on ryloth she's sitting there she's watching chopper get carted away by clone troopers and she's like well This went poorly. I wanted to go with, you know, some sneaking around. I wanted to do some uh, Metal Gear Solid, but instead we're going to do Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) Hera, you always wanted to fly. Let's. She's really thinking like the whole Bad Batch altogether. Also, she is the heart and soul of the Bad Batch in this episode. And then in the next one, in Infested, 
She is working really hard. She is the heart and soul. And when she talks, she gets Roland out of getting killed. It's nice because I wonder if that actually did help Roland in his personal journey of turning from a small devil man child into like a devil man man. With one horn. So now he's got battle scars. Yeah, it seems like that hurt him. And I don't know how, but. I think he took it pretty well. He took it on the chin. Or on the forehead. On the on the temple. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is Omega the heart and soul of the Bad Batch, she is the moral compass. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if that's what's leading Hunter to equivocate in what the fate of the Bad Batch is to be. Because he is running around not knowing quite where to go. It's like he's trying to listen to where Omega is guiding them. And what he's hearing is... Do good, help others. Ooh. Omega's just setting the tone for everybody. Yeah. Uh, honorary mention to Chopper <laughs> for <laughs> probably setting his taser to kill. <laughs> and I feel like we're we're slowly starting to ratchet up the Chopper kill count. And I'm, I really love that. I have a feeling this is not the last time we're going to hear the name Chopper in the Baywatch honor roll. So Chopper is the best. Let us let us make a note that this is the first but not the last time that Sam's going to nominate Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and forth, Hera or Omega, mm-hmm. Hera or Omega. For me, it's got to be Hera. Nice. I think Hera was a shining light of... I don't know how I'm going to do this, but there's no way that I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And she made it happen. She called up dangerous strangers to rescue her parents, which is a real brave move. The only thing she knew about the Bad Batch is that they brought coolers of blasters (laughs) to a distant moon to give to her disreputable uncle, Gobi Glee, who is... I, I need to say this again, very disreputable. <laughs> and she's like, cool, you have you have a, a, a nice young gal with you. I am gonna have to trust you. You're the only people I know. That's it's real brave to pick up that thousand pound phone and call someone, especially when you're like, I have nowhere else to turn. You know what's brave about Hera is that I think Hera has a really accurate sense of what she's capable of. She's a young gal. She does not have a lot of experience. She's still learning how to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know how to fire a blaster. Her parents obviously are these legendary icons of the revolutionary world, but she isn't like them yet. She's still pretty young. And she went into this scenario knowing all of her weaknesses And went forward anyway. It's not like she had this sense that she is like a one-hit KO amazing assassin or like a bad batcher or even like a freedom fighter. She's just a, a little girl. And she did it anyway. I think her and Omega both got a real big boost when they come up with the plan and, you know, Chopper's displaying, here's where we're going to attack. And Hunter's like... Sounds great. You two watch Chopper. Uh, take rec- point. You two children take point. And they're like, really? And he's like, well, there's only six of us, all right? Like, <laughs> And then they look at each other and they're like, oh, my God, we're taking point. We have to be in two places at once with six of us and two ships. This is a real complicated plan. We're spread very thin. I'm sending children into battle. But he's he's fine with it because it's Omega and Hera. And they did so great. They did great. They made it happen They made the rescue of the Sindolas possible, and Hera especially came into her own. And she got to fly and steal her first starship and blow up a bunch of stuff. Amazing. Yep. What else can you want? Gotta put those points into piloting early. It was a good day for the Sindolas. So yeah, Hera's my pick. All right, Sam, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching season one, episode 14, War Mantle, and 15, Return to Camino. which, remember when Hunter said, you never have to go back to Camino? 
You're going to have to go back to community. Oh, no. Okay. The tension is ratcheting up. These are the two penultimate episodes of season one of The Bad Batch. Also, War Mantle is just real scary sounding. War Mantle is an incredible name. It is even more ominous than Infested. And that previously had the award for the most ominous Bad Batch season one episode title. <laughs> Where's the Devil's Deal? Oh, yeah. Okay. Devil's right. Deal was pretty scary. Infested is horrifying. <laughs> If you love Growing Up Skywalker, you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Mastodon. Yeah. So come hang out with us on Mastodon. Yeah, that's a, it's a trip. I'm figuring it out. You can also find us on Patreon. If you would like extra bonus content, we release little audio delights for you every Thursday. This past week, we talked about if you had a starship to drive around like a convertible, what starship would you pick? It was very fun. Mm -hmm. You can become one of our patrons for as low as $3 a month. And if you have more to give, give more. But $3 a month is where the bonus content starts and you can have all of it. And send this episode to... The precocious youngsters in your life. Ooh, I love that. I have a couple in mind. <laughs> and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.